Hello and welcome to Across the Bifrost. This is the Mighty Thor podcast where on each and every episode we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. I am your host Ryan Doze and today is our anniversary special. We're so excited to bring you this spectacular chat for this 60th anniversary of Thor. Happy birthday old guy and the first year anniversary of this podcast. Yeah, a year ago this week we launched the first episode of the show and it's just been crazy ever since i've so enjoyed being aboard the rainbow bridge with all of you listeners out there and today our anniversary special is extra special because we are going to be joined by marvel comics writer and just resident all father himself jason aaron yeah i can't even believe i get to say those words to you right now Jason Aaron is going to join us on the show to talk about his career, his uh, process of creativity, and all of the different aspects of Thor he contributed to, what he thinks about the new Love and Thunder film. So much is covered in this conversation. I'm, I'm very, very excited for you all to enjoy this conversation on this 60th anniversary of Thor's first appearance and the first year anniversary of this podcast. If you have rated, reviewed, encouraged, uh, given a given any type of review to the show, heck, if you've just listened and this is maybe your first time, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting this show in any way that you're able to. It has been a joy to just give this passion project back to you, Thor fans. Maybe you're an old Thor fan and you're like, finally, there's a podcast about Thor. Or maybe you're a new fan from one of the movies and you're like, hey, I want to know more about this character. That is why this podcast was started and your encouragement and your support has kept it going this entire year. So thank you so much. Let's get to our anniversary special conversation with the great Jason Aaron. Today kind of feels like the biggest part of our retrospective because we actually get to talk to Jason Aaron himself. He's here on the show with me. Jason, welcome to Across the Bifrost, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, thanks for everything you guys are doing. Well, I mean, honestly, I I, I meant I was going to tell you this a while back, uh, just over like a DM. But like when I started this retrospective, I had a few people like, seriously, you're gonna you're gonna spend that much time like just going through one one guy's Thor stories. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> Especially when they're the story they're the stories that got me into reading Thor. Uh, and now we're just like, my goal was to get done by love and thunder and it's just totally not going to happen. Um, <laughs> we're like, we're just starting like the mighty Thor Jane Foster run, uh, this last week. So we're not even close really. Cool. Well, you know, still got some, some fun stuff to get to then. Uh, I mean, war of the realms alone is going to take us probably a few episodes, <laughs> which cool, which Jason, where in the 10 realms do you call home? Uh, I, I am in, well, the realm of Midgard and, uh, I'm in Kansas city, kind of on the, I say Kansas city. I'm technically, I'm in the suburbs of Kansas city in in Kansas. Oh, but so you're like, on the Kansas side. Missouri is like, literally I'm right next to state line road, which is, you know, the state line. So I could throw a rock into Missouri. 
if I wanted to. Sometimes I do. It's it's funny, like I, I'm I'm up here in Nebraska, and like you're literally the closest guest I've ever had on the show. Yeah. Everybody else is like Eng- England, international on the East Coast, <laughs> and you're like right down the road. Yeah. So sure, awesome. there's there's some of us out here in you know flyover country. Right, yeah, we're still here. Like we're still right. just holding it down. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure you get this question uh, because Kansas City is like a big barbecue place. I've just I've been down there a few times. I, I appreciate barbecue. I love Kansas City. Do you have a favorite barbecue place in Kansas City? I, yeah, I do. I mean, we could do a whole podcast just about Kansas City barbecue. Um, I'm totally down for that. You know, if somebody's <laughs> coming to town, I would recommend a, a couple of them. But my favorite. I think it's has been for a while. It's still uh, Joe's, Joe's Kansas City. Um, oh, wow. It's really, really good. And of um, Q39 is is super good. It's a bit, you know, of a, a little more upscale barbecue experience. And then there's a couple of new places that have popped up that are sort of just, you know, kind of open on Saturday and they have food until they run out. And one of those is called Harps. That's that's also super super good so it's hard to compare it when it's just right you know they're open for four hours on saturday versus a place that's open every day but it, it's very very good so yeah you have a plethora of good barbecue places in kansas city the, and like when like when you're not when you're not like writing comics like what do you do in kansas city like i i know that i know you're not on like the tourism board but like what is what kind of fills your your day when you're just hanging out well, I mean, you know, like most people, the last two years, I've, I've mostly been sitting in my house. Um, <laughs> right. You know, I haven't traveled much at all. I've, I did the first convention I've been to in a couple of years, just like a month ago here locally. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, we have a lot of good movie theaters, good music venues, really good food scene. Um, so, yes. I, you know, kind of just eat and drink my way around the city. What a what a great tour that would be! Just like <laughs> Jason Aaron, like drinks and and eats his way through Kansas City. That'd be awesome. I mean, uh, I, you know, I I do that every every weekend. So <laughs> maybe you, I should sell tickets. Right, you could be like the like unofficial like Kansas City tour guide. Uh, you you said you went to uh, the Kansas City Comic Con. How did that How did that go? I know you were promote. You shared that like on your Instagram account. Uh, like being the first con in the last few years. How did like how was it like getting back into that scene? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was really great to get back to a convention for the first time in so long. I mean, it was strange. Like I felt kind of worn out and over socialized by the end <laughs> of it. And that I I mean, I had definitely talked to more people in those three days than I had in like the previous, you know, 24 months combined. <laughs> so that that was strange but yeah it was good i mean i still i'm not looking to dive back into the con scene yet so i don't have any any uh more conventions planned for this year really any travel well other than you know taking my kid to disney world like overdue for that but kind of just you know trying to be home and focus on work and, and family life for a bit yeah yeah it's i mean good good aspirations uh you, you're talking about like your like your work obviously most people listening to this will know you as uh the the writer you know the the marvel writer who's done you know kind of just a limitless amount of titles but i like to start off our conversation like i just wanted to introduce listeners to what what your origin with comics was 
as a reader, as an appreciator of the medium before you even jumped in as a creator? Yeah, well, you know, it was really um, finding books on the drugstore spinner rack when I was a kid. Um, you know, I, I, I do a newsletter and I just wrote most recent one about um, the passing of George Perez. And I mean, he's yeah. one of the one of the creators I I credit, you know, most um, specifically in terms of making me a comic book fan. And that uh, New Teen Titans was the first book where you know I wasn't before that I was kind of just pulling stuff off the spinner rack that I thought looked cool and then I found you know Titans by by uh, Marv Wolfman and George Perez and that was the first book where I was going back the next month to find the next issue and then I started trying to find the back issues that I'd missed and that book really made me a devout comic book fan and then I George Perez is, was the first artist where I could you know, recognize his work as a kid. So I would see other books that he did. And it was a great time that, you know, I the, to, to get into comics and then I fell in with Titans and then Crisis uh, on Infinite Earths came not too long after that. So, um, yeah, that, you know, that I've never stopped. Like from that moment when I found him on the spinner rack, I've never stopped buying comics. I mean, I was you know, probably 15 before I found a comic book store because there wasn't one, um, you know, in my neck of the woods. Um, and, and since I first discovered a comic book store, I have had a pull list at one store or another, you know, every every week since then, literally. So, and and actually like at towards the end of this chat, we're going to do so. I'm going to try out a new idea on you. Like is your, fir your first time on the show, and I'm going to try a brand new idea on you. We're going to do a lightning round, and I'm actually going to ask you about what's on your poll list, because I am just, like, incredibly, uh, just, I've wondered about, like, what do what do writers and artists put on their poll list? Like, that's just always a question that's intrigued me. But we talk about Teen Titans, and real quick, like, with George Perez, you know, passing away um, recently, um, did, did you have a favorite, like, did you have a favorite Titan on that, on his team? Cause his team is like pretty, pretty awesome. Sure. Oh, that's a good question. You know, I mean, I always loved the, the version of Robin, that version of, I mean, the, the way George drew Robin, I think he, he looked better than anybody else ever drew him like that, that Robin, um, always looked badass to me, even though it's like old school short pants. Yeah. <laughs> um, the short you know robin. right green shoes robin like he still looked so cool um but yeah I, I mean i loved all those new characters i loved starfire and cyborg and and raven um it, yeah there was not a weak link in that in that crew i mean it, i think now like nowadays like that's like when someone thinks teen titans that's probably this the squad they they think of they've had so much like pop culture success that lineup Right. Yeah. It's so weird to me now to see, you know, the, the cartoons and everything and <laughs> yeah. how big those characters have become. I mean, to me, they were always that, that original um, George Perez version forever. You know, it's yeah. hard for me to look at those characters as anything but that. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to, you know, to see them like becoming so big. And I actually, uh, something I saw uh, just actually before we got on here, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Tom Taylor. 
over at DC and he sure the latest issue of Nightwing actually has a, a cameo of Marv Wolfman and George Perez at a food truck and it's oh, that's like cool I haven't so read cool. that um but yeah uh, that book is that book is uh is, is super good I mean I think everybody knows that at this point but yeah um Thomas Thomas just been on fire lately he's really been killing it and like a, pe- people that are familiar uh, to this podcast know if I'm going to talk about a comic book writer, it's probably going to be your, yourself, Donny Case or Tom Taylor. And like, I try to, I try to sneak in all of you guys as often as I can. Um, cool. Thanks. Speaking of, speaking of writers, um, you got into the writing game and I wanted to, I've, I've, I've heard this story before, but I, I never get tired of hearing it because I find your you know, creative journey so awesome and inspiring and how did you get into writing comics and using that as like your creative medium yeah well you know i mean i i think i i pretty much knew that's what i wanted to do since i was that kid you know pulling books off the spinner rack i mean i said pretty early i don't know if i was like 13 14 um but i remember telling my parents that i wanted to write comics someday I had absolutely no clue how to even <laughs> begin to do that, um, but kind of never gave up on that dream, always wanted to write, was always writing, you know, in one form or another, however I possibly could all through school and college and um, graduated college and and um, moved to Kansas City and was doing uh, film reviews and just, again, writing whatever I could. And then Marvel did this talent search contest in the summer of uh, 2000 um, at um, San Diego Comic-Con and Wizard World Chicago. And I entered that, dropped like a one-page synopsis of a Wolverine story, you know, in a big stack of them in, in Chicago. And it was months later when, you know, I found out that I had won. So that was that was my f- first published work, just a, you know, a short story, an issue of Wolverine. And um got my foot in the door is another f- I think five years five years after that before I had my next book in print which was with vertigo so I kind of broke in twice a little bit I mean first thing kind of got my foot in the door but you know it took another five years of really probably the hardest I've ever worked in comics you know is when I didn't have anything to show for it where you're just trying to to get more stuff and then once I did get those first um books you know, working as hard as I possibly could on those. So um, and then kind of one thing led to another. And it was not long after that, that I was back at Marvel doing more Wolverine stuff. And I've, I've been there ever since. I've, I've been exclusive, I think, since like 2008, around there. I think wow. was when I was the, doing Ghostwriter. That was my first ongoing book. I think that's when I signed an exclusive and I've been been exclusive um this entire time so i that's like something i've I've always wondered um is like how do those exclusive not like the finer details of it but like when you're exclusive like with marvel how does that affect your creator own stuff at all i mean you know it depends like different people have different deals um and things have changed over time i mean generally no like generally you can you can get a general open carve out for any creator own work or specific carve outs, you know, for certain projects. Okay. I mean, generally, you know, Marvel and DC exclusives are just to keep you away from the other one, 
Okay. Um, but even that has changed now. You know, now you see a guy like Chip Zdarsky who's writing Daredevil and Batman at the same time, which, right. you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't really possible. So I think the, um, you know, the, the rules have kind of changed for that. But yeah, you've always been able to, I mean, as far as I know, I, I certainly have. I've always been able to carve out space for creator on work. Which I mean, and like, I, I hope we can even like carve out a little bit of time uh, towards the end, like to, cause you have so many great creator owned books. Um, personally, I'm, I'm obsessed with sea of stars right now. Um, and oh, that's cool. just, Thank you. it's a lot Thanks. of fun. Um, and, and there's sharks in there. So, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, space sharks. <laughs> um, like, so I, I asked, I asked a few close friends who have been good uh, hosts of this show. And a uh, few of them are, uh, creators them themselves uh, just in several different mediums and one of one friend of mine really wanted to to ask you this question and, and it was something that I I feel like if you you've been a writer for all these years it's kind of an obvious question to ask you but when when you get up in the morning and you're you're going to work writing stories like what do you find like keeps you inspired what keeps getting you out of bed uh to go and write more and more stories for people yeah i you know i don't know that that's a thing i can necessarily put a, a name on i mean i think it's just that that need and desire that's been there again since i was a kid you know i mean i i've always loved to create um when i was a kid i was writing and drawing my own comics all the time and all through school, any kind of assignment, anything I could do that I could do, you know, as a form of writing, I was all over any kind of creative writing I would pursue and just writing all, you know, in my, in my free time, it was just a thing I've always enjoyed doing, you know, it makes me happy um, just to, to put stories down on paper, even if nobody else ever reads them, Yeah, you know, the, the joy I feel from doing it. Um, like I still feel that now I've never lost that, you know, even when it, when it, that's become my, my everyday job. Um, you know, it, it, it was a few years ago, maybe four years ago, I, I, um, hurt my back and I was laid up in bed and on, you know, kind of stoned on pain meds for <laughs> a while. And I had about a month where, um, I couldn't work or I didn't write anything, didn't write a word for a whole month. And it felt to me that it felt worse than the, than the back problems, you know, cause it was probably the first time I'd gone a month without writing anything since I was 10 years old. So it just, yeah. it just felt like I was broken in some way, you know, like it's become just a thing I do like breathing that just helps me function properly. So, I mean, I always feel like my job is a selfish pursuit and that I'm really just, you know, I don't know how to do a comic that anybody else wants to read. I only know how to do stories that I want to read, you know, and hopefully that translates. And if, if you, if I respond to, to something, um, then other people will as well. That's usually the, the way it goes, but still, I can't control any of that. I can only control what I enjoy. And, and I do, I, I enjoy um, doing what I do. I've, I'm lucky that in all those years I've been doing comics, like I've never, I haven't been doing any jobs where anybody's twisting my arm and, you know, like we, you have to write this character. You have to tell this story. Um, that's, I've never done those, you know, I've always, um, 
been able to pursue the things I want to do and to tell stories that at the end of the day, make me happy in the telling. That's awesome. Like, and so I think like that is, is that what you would say to like young creators, like what you just said, they're like, you know, write the stories you want to write, or is there anything else you would tell them? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's hard when you're trying to break in because you feel like you just got to kind of pursue whatever avenue you, you know, it possibly seems open. Uh, I mean, that's what I did. You know, I mean, I, I kind of, again, got my foot in the door, went in this talent search contest, but then I had like five years where I was pitching things and that's exactly what I was doing. You know, any editor I could get an email address for any book I knew, um, you know, the, with looking for filling issues or whatever, anything I thought was a possibility, I would write up a pitch and send it in. And all that work amounted to nothing, like nothing I did during those, during that period, in terms of pitching, you know, um, company owned characters, none of it amounted to anything. No, I wrote not a single one of those stories. Um, and ultimately, you know, I, the, the pitch that got picked up was a creator owned book called The Other Side, which was my first like full work I did at Vertigo. So it was yeah. me going off and telling stories that I wanted to read that, you know, didn't exist. And I had gotten so fed up with just the pitching that went nowhere. I just realized like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to do my stuff. And I, I focused in more on like specific editors. Like I'm going to be very particular about who I talk to and reach out to. And that these are people who I, you know, target because I feel like we will have specific, you know, we'll have common sensibilities um instead of just chasing you know whatever seemed like a an open door and that that was you know that worked better for me like just being a little more calculated yeah who were who were some of those people if 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 i may ask yeah well you know will dennis was the editor at vertigo who i first worked with on on the other side and scalped um and you know really the the I think the editor who taught me how to write comics for the first time, because um, I wrote the first, you know, full scripts I'd ever written for anybody for him. Um, and then Axel Alonso was who brought me into Marvel. Oh, um, cool. You know, before he was editor in chief when he was the the X-Men editor. Um, so those were two guys. I mean, again, in, you know, Will had like taken Axel's job when Axel left Vertigo to go to Marvel. So it's kind of not a coincidence that those are the two guys. Okay. Um, Cause I, you know, I could look at the books they edited and feel like, okay, I think, I think we have some, you know, similar taste. Um, and those are the, the two editors who really gave me my career. In in that five year span where you're saying like none of these pitches are getting picked up, nothing's like happening. Did any of those, did any of those pitches like become something later on, like once you got established on books, or was it just like um, I want fresh stuff? No, I don't. I don't think any of them did. I mean, there was some Punisher stuff in there. There was some. I I mean, I did at one point. I I did pitch uh, a. Um, basically like um you know frank castle's origin story in vietnam and got the response back like yeah that's a great idea 
uh, we're doing that with Garth Ennis. It's called Punisher Born. Okay. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> damn you, Garth. <laughs> so, um, okay. But, but so like, no, I don't think any of them, I mean, I had like a, I had a death of Captain America idea in there. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I was a little bit ahead of, ahead of the curve on that one. But yeah, that, that, I don't think any of them are things I've, I've done again. That, like you just need to like someday, like, uh you know do like an untold tales or something like that right yeah almost told tales oh yeah just like mm, so close to being told tales um and, and i i also just like with this being your job like it is it is you get paid to write stories not only is it a creative thing that you know fuels you and makes you happy like you said like what is what what is like your work day like i i'm curious about your process yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm not one of those guys. Like I've seen, I've seen Clive Barker talk about his process, and it's very much, you know, like wake up, get dressed, go to work, clock in, kind of, kind of thing. And I'm I've I've tried to maintain some version of that, but I, I always struggle with it. Um, I mean, I do, you know, I think having kids sort of helps you have some kind of semblance of a, a schedule. I mean, I work with some people especially it seems like artists who don't have children who keep like heroin addict hours where it's like <laughs> wow you know you don't know they're gonna be wide awake in the middle of the night are they about <laughs> to go to sleep are they just waking up it's a crapshoot really as to what it could be so I, I think having kids puts you on some sort of semblance of a normal human schedule yeah um but yeah I've, I mean I've tried to work something close to a, a nine to five, you know, get up and eat some breakfast and watch a little TV. Um, I watch like to watch something while I'm eating breakfast in the morning and then go tackle emails and bullshit for a bit and then try to write uninterrupted for, for hours. But, you know, even in the midst of that, like there are times I get stuck on a page and I just, I can't just sit here banging my head against the wall. So I have to get up and take a walk or go do some laundry or do something to um you know just sort of change my mindset and be able to sort of you know figure out whatever I'm stuck on um and then I work at night a lot too I'm definitely a night owl I hate having to wake up early so I'd much rather stay up until the wee hours so I mean I work from home so it's work is always yeah right there um but again it's a thing I enjoy doing. I mean, I did it for years for free. Um, so it's now the fact that I get paid for it is just like gravy. Um, but it's still ultimately just a, a thing that makes me happy. Now, I, I've, I've got to ask, because you said you like you, you get up to go like break up your day. A while back, you had shared this just bizarre picture uh, on social media of a trampoline that got thrown <laughs> into your backyard That's right, I'm, yeah. I'm like we're both mid midwest you know midwest guys now and like the wind here is hell sometimes so like was that one of those moments where like you look at your window like well i guess it's break time right now i gotta go get this trampoline out of my yard <laughs> yeah it was, a, it was a particularly blessed blustery day here on the you know the plains of kansas i mean it's you know kansas is no joke about as flat as you can get i mean if you right yeah, this used to like where I live, you know, suburban, but you don't have to go that far back where it was just tall grass. That's it. Like no trees. You can still go out to the 
parts of Kansas where it has like untouched tall grass prairie. Yeah. And it's insane. It's like a green desert, you know? Right. And it is so windy because there's nothing to get in the wind's way except for literally you. nothing. Right. It, so yeah, it was a it was a windy day. I'm sitting here working. Um, I'm in a room sort of like a kind of a four seasons room, you know, it's full okay. of windows and and there's just a I'm just writing away. I don't remember what I was writing, but there's a knock on the door and it's like the fire department. And they're like, <laughs> Yeah, I guess you noticed the fire in your backyard. And I'm like, What? <laughs> I look out the window and there's a, a tramp, the neighbor's trampoline had like blown over the fence into the power lines. And I guess started a <laughs> small fire in my backyard that the neighbor was then throwing water on through the fence to put out. Well, I'm just sitting here, you know. <laughs> right stories i guess right i don't know what the hell i was doing oh my gosh that like but like seeing that i was like oh like he gets it like how how terrible it could be to live in the midwest some days where just like random random shit will just end up in your yard like sure. you're not even sure where it's from uh <laughs> that was just like that's got to break up his work day a little bit at least <laughs> <laughs> sure you know i'd still like to get a get out in it and go for a a walk uh through my neighborhood and i can i can take a walk through two states you know from where i'm at which is nice yeah and you said you're a night owl so i'm just curious like do you have one of those because it's one of like a, a legendary story with jack kirby is that he would work so late into the night that his wife would be like kirby come to bed do you have that story where it's like aaron come to bed or is it just like <laughs> no i'm doing my thing um yeah you know i just kind of do my thing um like again you know there are days i got to get up and get my kid off to school but um and i don't know my it's it's kind of the um on the one hand if you want to write for a living create for a living you have to treat it like a job like there's no sitting around you know like well i'm just waiting for the muse to speak to me you know i'm just right. waiting for the words to flow through me from some mystical place <laughs> like there's none of that shit like you just have to work and you have to do it and some days it might be better than other days some days it's easier some days the words just won't come you know uh, but you just have to work through it on the other hand again i'm not one of those guys where i just clock in and clock out and just sit and hammer it out the whole time like you still have to you know, that some days I write more than others. Some days I might be doing, you know, working on outlines or doing lettering corrections or, you know, um, interviews and notes and, and all the other stuff that's not writing. Uh, some days I might sit and, you know, write what feels like nonstop for eight hours and bang out, you know, almost a whole issue. And then the next day, maybe I can write two pages. Like it's still you know, the, you, 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 there's no muse that's going to speak through you, but um, at the same time, you, you kind of just have to roll with the punches in terms of, for me at least, in terms of what my my day looks like, my week looks like. Just hoping at the, you know, by the end of the week, you're hitting the deadline that you're supposed to hit. Yeah. Because like, I was like, you're, you're kind of like that deadline is what you're like, that's like your accountability, but like you can, can you meet that deadline however you like however suits you as as a writer sure i mean i you know i generally i try to give myself a week to write a script you know okay I, i'm i'm usually i'm 
that ideally I'm turning a script in on Friday and I'm starting a new script on Monday. Oh, cool. Um, for a different project. I'm, it's yeah. rare that I'm able to sit down and write two issues in a row of something. Um, I mean, Thor might, been, might be the last time I was able to do yeah. that. It's been a while. <laughs> Pretty locked maybe, in there. Maybe Heroes Reborn last year. I think I was able to do that. But usually I'm going to write one issue of one book this week, write an issue, another issue of something else the next week. And try to give myself a week to do that. Sometimes, you know, I might need that whole week to get a script done. Sometimes, you know, you can get one done in three days and feel really good about it. It's, it's a, depends on what the story is, like how, how well is that story already formed in my head? How long have I been walking around thinking it over? Um, you know, all that kind of plays in. So I, you said, uh, you said there that, you know, sometimes you just got to write no matter what, like, because the muse isn't going to just speak to you um, and kind of do your job for you some days. It, like, I'm sure you get this a lot, like back when you were doing like cons and like in-person things, like people just, for lack of a better word, like kissing your ass about all the good stuff. Like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I loved God Butcher. I loved, you know, all these things. And like, do you ever like think like to yourself, man, like, but there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of stories that I had to just like get myself through. Um, I mean, not exactly. I mean, I, okay. I mean, they, they're all kind of like that. Like, um, I mean, the, 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 there are days and there are weeks and there are scripts where it feels like everything sort of fits together in your head um you know exactly the way you want it right like things just yeah. come together for whatever reason usually it's again there's nothing mystical or or coincidental about it. It, it it all equates to the work that you do and that work by work that might mean again me sitting here staring into space for an hour yeah. it's like the work that's going on in your head you know like turning those stories over figuring them out i mean you could have you can have an idea and I could sit down and write that idea for you right now. And you get the first version of that idea, the most obvious version. Anybody can do that. You know, the best stories are the ones where you let them simmer on the stove until you get, you know, better versions of them than just the most obvious one, yeah. right? Like you figure out um, the, the, the right character beats, the right moments, lines of dialogue, um, all that sort of stuff um so it all equates to the you know the the time you have to let those sort of cook away on the stove in your head um and, and sometimes they all come together just the way you want them to sometimes um they don't you know for whatever reason like the and your opinion of those will change it's all very subjective right like there's yes. stuff i can look back at and say why did i do that why did i make that decision like if I could go back, I would change this to that. Okay. Um, and that's only my part of it. And then, you know, the comic is a collaboration. So then the, what I write goes off and gets filtered through the mind of, of you know, an, an artist and a colorist and everybody else who is involved in the book. So it's, it's there's a lot of moving pieces that all kind of have to come together in the right way to do those books where it feels like, um you know everything's clicking and, and like the 
you know, talking about the most obvious, the most obvious thing, really the most obvious reason we're talking today is because this is a Thor podcast and we're like, we haven't talked about Thor yet, really. Uh, and I, I wanted to like jump into that, like the pieces coming together for your, you know, uh, was it eight, eight, nine years on Thor? Um, I don't know the exact dates. I think seven. Okay. So I believe I, it's 101 issues if I am. If I remember correctly, so 101 issues, a a seven year run on Thor. How does that opportunity come to Jason Aaron back in the day? Well, it was I believe the initiative was Marvel Now at the time. I, I get my Marvel initiatives mixed up, but there was <laughs> it was an it's exciting moment because it was a really for the first time since I'd been at Marvel everything was up for grabs. Everybody who'd been on a major title was moving around. Um, so you could have your pick really of any book. If you if there was something you wanted to do, it was the time to make your claim, right? And say, yeah. um, so I had been penciled in to do Captain America at some point. Oh, um, cool. Which I was really excited to do. But then in the midst of this Marvel Now stuff, I said, um, I think I want to do Thor. For the first time, I'd, I'd never really thought, like I was not walking around comics with the you know briefcase full of Thor pitches. Like it was not, I do have like a short list of characters I'd like to write. Um, but Thor was not on it. You know, I, I was not the biggest Thor fan. I'd read a lot of the Simonson stuff and, and loved it, of course, but it was not one I had a, you know, a lot of long boxes of Thor comics. Yeah. Um, but it just, it struck me at that moment in time. I, 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 you know, I credit a lot of it to, to um, those ages of thunder one shots that Matt Fraction did around that time. I think there were three or yeah. four of them. They were really, really great. And that was the first time I was like, Oh, you know, like th something sparked in my brain and I thought, Oh, I, you know, I could see doing some Thor stuff. And then suddenly everything was on the table, and that was the that was the book I gravitated towards, and and I think I was one of the first, um, you know, writers to be like penciled in on a book, and I I said pretty early, yeah, I want I want to do Thor, and and then was told right after that, yeah, well, Esad's going to draw it, so I knew, <laughs> and I had not pitched a single idea. I don't know that I even had a Thor idea yet. It was just. Oh, wow. You know, I want to do it. Okay, Esad's going to draw it. So I think knowing that, and also I think the where I was at in my career and that I'd been at Marvel for a number of years at that point, I'd written Wolverine and X-Men stuff for like six years. And I'd done, you know, ongoing books and I'd worked on event books. And I kind of, for the first time, I sort of felt like enough confidence to say, okay, I'm going to go into this and it's going to, I'm going to make it mine. And I'm just going to say, this is mine until you take it away or I'm done. <laughs> right. Like I'm going to shoot for the stars. I'm going to lay down tracks that are going to take me a long time to pay off. And I'm just going to assume that I have the time to do it. You know, if the call comes someday that I'm fired, that the book's canceled, whatever, then I'd roll with that when that comes but short of that i'm just going to assume it's mine until i'm done with it um oh. and thankfully you know that was the case there were times along the way where they were i was offered other 
jobs that would have necessitated me stepping off of Thor earlier, which I always turned down. I'm like, um, you know, that was kind of where the, I drew the line. Like, I'm not done. You know, when I'm done, I'll do something else, yeah. but I'm not leaving until I'm done. I I just you you said so many things there that I want to like follow up on, but I just like I'm gonna I'm gonna stay to two. What do you think your Captain America would have been like? Because that like um, that idea intrigues me right now. I mean, I you know I've still got I've still got my ideas and pitches, so maybe someday we'll 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 see. <laughs> I mean, I'd still I love Cap. I'd love to do um, stuff with Cap more stuff with cap someday so um i don't know i mean it was you know sort of like when i i asked to do punisher max in the wake of garth ennis i think doing cap in the wake of ed brubaker is on the one hand it's a completely idiotic move right because nobody <laughs> nobody can do that like ed's cap was so incredibly good but garth's punisher was one of my favorite things you know anybody's ever written a marvel and i was excited to try to you know step up to bat to to know and i can't i can't do what garth does i can't do what ed does like i'm not the same person they are not the same writer like it's still me trying to do my own version of that um so i don't know i think yeah okay maybe well, I mean, maybe someday maybe someday we'll see oh i actually i had that thought at work the other day Cause I was like, I'm cap, you know, Thor's my number one caps, my number two. And I, you know, I love a lot of the the cap stuff that's been happening recently. And I'm like, yeah, what would a Jason Aaron Captain America be like? And I was like, I don't know what I, I just like, I didn't have the words to kind of like, Oh, it would be like this. I was like, I, I bet whatever I think it would be, it would be uh, not, uh, something unexpected. Um, and you said something else in there that, you know, you were, you were offered many things to come off of Thor, like, what was the closest you got to like leaving Thor like from one of those offers? Uh, I, I mean, I, I was never close. Like there was, nothing, oh, okay. It was nothing where I'd like sweated over it or, you know, um, like anything, any book that we were talking about that would necessitate changing my schedule to the point where I need to come off Thor. Sooner, oh, okay. I was like, no, I'm out. So yeah, nothing that, nothing. No, cause yeah. I don't know what, there was nothing that could have possibly, you know, tempted me to that point. Okay. I'm just, I'm just curious. Cause like, you know, I, Marvel's got a lot of like legendary, you know, legacy characters and obviously Thor is one of them, but it's just kind of fun. Like what, Look, what do you if, get thrown at? If us? Marvel had said, Hey, we were able to uh, buy the rights to uh, the old DC series, Atari force. And we want you to write it. <laughs> and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez is going to draw it. That one I would have, lost some sleep over you'd have been like that's a sleepless right. night right there <laughs> we maybe maybe we never would have gotten the jane foster story because i would have bailed on thor to go to well, go to the story of tempest and dart i'm glad atari you first i'm glad you theoretically said no to atari force <laughs> um and so if anybody gets atari force call me please call me <laughs> you, you find it find him on instagram and, and and throw that uh offer his way everybody uh when when you get to when you get to God of Thunder, you get to working with Assad, um, who like I'm sh like his artwork is just incredible. I've I, on this show I've likened it to like it's, it's like watching a Renaissance painter um, draw comics. Uh, I just I find his art style so you know amazing. Um, 
and he and you and I'm sure a team of others put together a like a first story featuring Gore the God Butcher. And I'm sure that's like one of the things you get asked about the most. But I'm I'm curious, how did Gore come go from like idea to on paper in in, in readers' hands? Um you know, I mean that all happened, I think, pretty uh easily. I mean, I think that you know, the idea came from again, like I said, I I had not read that many Thor comics um when I first kind of sparked on the idea of doing Thor. So once I knew, okay, this is gonna be my gig, I I sat down and read a crap load of Thor comics. I'd never <laughs> read any of those original um, you know, any of the original stories by by um um Larry Lieber and, and Kirby and, and Stan. So I read all those for the first time and I um you know I think it was those and I one of those you know I was remember as an um interview or maybe like just an intro Stan had written for one of the Masterworks collections and talked about um why Thor like why did he why did he decide to do um Thor comics and just him you know like again like t- told with the the stanley version of the stories because who knows what the <laughs> fuck is true or not but um just you know looking around at the heroes of the marvel universe and how could he do one that's different and so okay well like this this one's a god so that you know that from the very beginning was kind of the defining characteristic of thor right like the fact that he's a god makes him different makes the his supporting cast different his villains, his setting, everything is different from Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and the X-Men and everybody else in the Marvel Universe. So I, I think that, and again, reading those those original stories, the thing that um, I liked most, I think there's that chunk of Kirby stuff in there um, before he kind of starts to lose interest, you know, in Marvel. To me, like building towards the Mangog story, which is yeah. like the... The, the high point and by the time i got to that i was like oh you know shit like this guy's <laughs> the man god was amazing yeah so i think I put all that together and i knew you know in at, at a time when the movies were kind of starting to you know define thor as well these guys aren't really gods you know they're they're beings from this other dimension reality and we primitive earthlings perceive them as gods, but which I get why they made that choice, but I I wanted to swing the other direction, right? Like I wanted to very much lean into the idea of like, no, this is what makes this guy different. This is what makes him, him cool. Um to the point where I I you know it's my idea that like let's call the book Thor God of Thunder, you know, the okay the first villain is going to be something that, you know, this is a villain who's specifically targeting gods, you know, a serial killer of gods and to do a story that within one story, I was trying to say, here's the things I think are cool and exciting about this character, right. To, to show your work, not to, I think with any book you do at Marvel, you just because they're decades worth of cool stories with those characters you can't assume your readers have read a single one of those right like you can't assume 
people come to the table already invested and excited in this about this character some of them do a lot of them don't so you got to show uh, which i want that as a reader when i pick up a book you know yeah. like show me why like i i want to believe that you care about this character and show me that you do and show me why i should um and so i was trying to do all of that with again very thor centric within one story and you know part of that is that he lived so long so this is a story that takes place across a lot of eras and and you get different yeah. versions of the character and and all that so yeah gore was at the heart of that just started as the idea of a creepy um serial killer of gods and the name gore came from I want to say without looking, I want to say it was Thor's first appearance when he fights like the stone men from Saturn, right? Like I the stone men from Saturn. Awesome. One of them is named Gore, if I remember correctly. That's where I got the name. That's awesome. Um, I'll have to go back and the, look at that. That's 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 intriguing. <laughs> and yeah, the you know the design was was mostly it was all Esad. You know, Esad had a lot of his own. Um, ideas he incorporated into gore i don't know if he's ever really talked about those or about the origin of those but um you know my thought was just that he's this pretty simple looking dude who's been infused with the power of this weapon that's very much like this living oozing kind of blackness i mean i think probably in my scripts i even described it as like venom like <laughs> without thinking you know it was, it was very much donnie's idea years later of course to actually connect the two mythology wise but yeah um so yeah sorry so, that was a long answer to oh your no 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 question. believe me i was i was not going to stop you a word short um and and that was actually one of the things like in in gore's origin i believe in issue six i'm maybe that's right um like it's a what retroactive continuity like we find out that that like that connects to Donny Cates's Venom and um, I like I was reading uh, the King in Black and you know loving that and you know finding out that there was a connection all the way back I'm like that is just the coolest thing it's like when when you when you found out that Donny Cates did that were you like oh touche like you know that that's a good move or I mean like, he, he you know he asked like we were at a okay. retreat and I he was pitching a bunch of his his Venom stuff and and pitch that idea and ask like if i was cool i was like yeah of course like sounds cool you know that's awesome uh a cool cool ideas uh you know one of my favorites um you know getting into like the particulars of your run i mean we would be here the rest of the day so i wanted to ask you about like my favorite part of of, of really any jason aaron thor comic is jane foster being thor i i just like that whole saga to me is so interesting and um how like how did you know you wanted jane to become the 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 hero thor at some point in your run on on these books um you know it, it very much goes back to the the idea of worthiness you know like there were kind of from the beginning there were a couple things that were important to me overall in terms of thor one like I said, was leaning into that idea of him as a god and what that means, what it means to be a, a god in the Marvel universe. And in connection with that, you know, I've talked before about the fact that I'm I'm an atheist who's writing a book about Marvel's, you know, most prominent god. And like yeah. what does that mean for me? And how do I connect to that? And 
the character of Gore was a part of that, that he's a guy who feels like, you know, for seemingly justifiable reasons, feels like, hey, these gods suck, like they're terrible, they failed us, we'd be better off without them. Now he takes that to very extreme methods and then he goes around and starts murdering them all, but still he starts out where you can kind of understand where he's coming from and why he feels wronged. Um, as part of that, there's, you know, there's the idea of worthiness, which again goes back to Thor's first appearance, right? That first scene is, is Donald Blake goes into this cave and yeah. finds a stick and hits it on the ground and turns into a hammer and it's got that inscription on it. Yeah. You know, that who, whosoever picks up this hammer gets the power of Thor. And that was the initial setup for the book, right? Is that he's yeah. just this dude who finds this hammer and gets turned into Thor. And, you know, I, I, the so many people today, fans, angry fans love to use the word retcon like it's just the dirtiest term. Yeah. Of Harold, dare you <laughs> change something when it's like, so much of what we know about characters are things that have been changed from the way they originally right. were, right? Like <laughs> Thor eventually changed that, that we found out, well, Donald Blake wasn't really another guy that it was Thor all <laughs> along and Odin had sent him there to humbly, if there'd been Twitter back in, Oh my gosh. I don't remember what issue we first found that out. Well, it was a Roy Thomas one. Like Twitter would have been losing their minds over they've retconned. Oh, great. Retcon Thor's origin. Roy Thomas is woke. Right. <laughs> um, but so, you know, that inscription was there from the get-go. Of course, it, you know, it was a big thing when when Walt Simonson brought it back with Beta Ray Beale. And yeah. then it's kind of, we'd sort of forgotten that inscription was there, that that promise <laughs> was there. So um, I always liked to me as again i think as an atheist of trying to figure out well how do i write um you know a god uh, how do i write thor i focused on that idea of worthiness of that you know the, again the god i would like to believe in is this guy who wakes up every morning and he looks over and that hammer is sitting there next to the bed and he knows he picked it up yesterday and flew around with it and saved the world and did great things but he, he doesn't know if he's going to be able to pick it up today. Like he doubts yeah. his worthiness every day until he picks it up and then flies yeah. off and does great things again. Um, so I focused that to me was who he was. And, and given that I was making that such a big part of it. And again, it's all, you know, ties in with the, the story of Gore and, and that only makes Thor doubt things all the more. Like I knew given that, um, that, that I would do a story where one day Thor woke up and he couldn't pick up that hammer for whatever reason, like he was not worthy and he would have to deal with what it meant to be the unworthy Thor. Um, and then that of course would open the door for somebody else to come along and pick it up. And it would give me the chance to do, um, you know, a bigger version, even bigger version of what uh, Walt had done back in the day of to have someone else um, fulfill that initial promise in that description, right? Like to be yeah. transformed and become Thor. Um, and, and knew right away that that needed to be Jane. I think my initially in like my initial outline, my initial outline for Thor, I had, you know, the God bomb story in there and I have, I had stories that would come after it, which were yeah. all stories that I ended up doing just not 
in that order. Like one of those was the Asgard Shi'ar War, which I wouldn't get to yeah. for, you know, probably like three or four, you know, more years with Jane. Um, so within that, there was a there was an unworthy story. It was kind of just an arc where Thor couldn't pick up the hammer. And then my first thought was that his mother, that Freya would would pick up the hammer. Okay. Um, but you know the um, as that became a bigger thing, the, at the urging of Marvel of like let's make this a bigger deal. Let's relaunch the book and do the story of the new Thor. And then I knew that needed to be Jane. Um, that, that was a bigger story because I had set Jane up and issued and Thor got a thunder number 12. We had her show up really just to, I wanted to show she was not his love interest anymore, but she was still a part of his, his circle and that she was um, uh, battling breast cancer, that she yeah. was going through this very human problem and wanting to deal with it in her own way, not, you know, with any sort of magic shenanigans from Asgard. So I'd kind of set that piece up not knowing, oh, I'm going to do a whole other volume of Thor with her. I just sort of set that piece on the table and then um, it was there waiting for me when I need it. So I knew right away, oh, that's the story. Yeah. Um, And again, which to me, I think of everything I have done at Marvel, you know, going back to 2001, um, the thing I've done that is the most Marvel, the most old style classic Marvel kind of setup is that Jane Foster story to where it's, you know, hinges upon that, that the transformative power of the hammer, which goes back to, to Thor's first appearance. It has a classic kind of Marvel setup where you got this human version of the character who's dealing with horrible situations. She's the, uh, battling breast cancer she's going through chemo treatments um she's got to pick up this hammer she's got to be thor to go save the day because there must be a thor uh every every time she does that she's neutralizing the effects of the chemo treatment so when she comes back she's sicker than she was before yeah she's got a secret identity nobody knows who this new thor is yeah you know when she throws the hammer if it doesn't come back to her soon enough she'll transform back into jane so she could transform back into this frail you know 90 pound woman in the midst of this you know 90 pound woman battling cancer in the midst of a fight with dark elves and so that to me is like that is like classic classic lee kirby kind of yeah setup um which i had tremendous tremendous fun with i you know it's funny like i i think jane is so much fun for me to read because it she just sounds like she'd be fun to write because like she has this like spunkiness and this sassiness to her. Um, it, like, I, I don't even know, you know, I've often said on this show, like if I say this thing about a, about a comic and the writer hears me say, it and they're like, that's wrong. I'm like, I, okay, then I'm totally wrong. But when I like, when I recommend a Thor comic to somebody, um, Jane is often what I will recommend to people that love, you know, things like spider-man or guardians of the galaxy things that are like really quippy and like there's comebacks to it I'll, I'll bring up jane because 
I always think back to those early stories where she's talking about, she's talking to frost giants and she's like, okay, I, I gotta, I gotta think of a badass line. I gotta think of a badass line. And then she comes up with something and she's like, oh, that was actually pretty good. Um, like, I just love like her, her internal monologue. I find it so refreshing because sometimes like in Thor comics, I'm just like, okay, uh, like Thor's badass, like he's going to get the job done. Um, uh, but he's, he's, he's different. He's so different than Jane. And I think Jane right. for me was like really refreshing. Um, that's why I think I, I, I fell in love with that character so much. Um, but like some people did not fall in love with Jane. And I know like, this is, uh, something, did you see, did you see that coming? Like when, when you knew Jane was going to take over the role, did you see that coming? When people were like, this is not my Thor and, you know, all that stuff. You you actually address it in a few of the early letter columns. Um, but did you see that coming or did you just have to kind of react to that on the on the fly? Well, I let me answer your previous thing you said yeah, yeah. first. Like, I, I totally agree with you. It was important to me, really, with both with Thor Odinson and with Jane. It was important to have them be characters who enjoy what they're doing, right? Like, I think it's it's easier to write characters who are tortured and you know life is hard because of the powers that they're cursed with and I've written plenty of those characters myself but I, with this I wanted to do you know these are people who are absolutely enjoying what they're getting to do right like Thor's been flying around the, the cosmos for you know hundreds thousands of years um, still loves it every day he gets yeah. he, he loves being Thor um, there are hardships along the way, of course, and Jane is dealing with very real hardships. But if anything, what she's going through makes her love and appreciate the Thor part of the equation even more. So she's yeah. absolutely having a ball every time she can fly around, you know, punch Odin in the face. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that, that was an important uh, part of it. In terms of the reaction, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't ever think about that or know, like, oh, this one's going to get a big reaction or this one's going to piss people off or poo. I don't ever consider that. I mean, it was, this one was different right from the get-go and then it got announced on The View, which just announced as, you know, there's going to be a new Thor and she's a woman. Like that was really the extent. There wasn't any, there wasn't anything else to reveal or talk about at that time. So the reaction was like, you know, right away was tremendous yeah i think it was the first time (laughs) right the first time you know a book that i had written was a joke on uh weekend update on saturday night live which was pretty cool (laughs) right Um, so you're again for a story that no one had read that didn't even exist yet right so yeah there was a lot of a lot of people angry when it seemed like they didn't know what they were angry about (laughs) (laughs) and they're just throwing their Um, anger at you because right you you took their childhood from them jason (laughs) right and a lot of people clearly you know didn't realize i had already been writing the book for a while at that point (laughs) um so it's i mean that, that to me is just noise like it's you know um it's not anything i'm gonna wade into and try to uh, yeah. assuage people's fears or correct misconceptions that I there was a point in my career where I tried to do some of that I think like a lot of young naive writers try to do <laughs> and quickly realize like well this is not 
fruitful or possible or good for my Productive. health. <laughs> right. So yes, there were, um, I mean, there, there, there are things people say that I have heard now. Every time somebody will say it, they think, well, I'm the first person to tell the writer this, but it's like, no, you're about the five millionth person to say this exact same thing. Um, so some of those things, yes, if I'm going to respond to them, the I'll let the book respond to them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the one thing is people, again, the, this all gets recycled and recycled like the first wave of, of stuff was when the book was announced and then the book was coming out and then you know then it ended and then they announced the movie and then the, every, every time there's a new thing there's like people there's always one guy who's like but his name is Thor she can't be Thor you know it's not like Captain America it's not a legacy um uh, and I again like thinking oh nobody's ever pointed this out like the guy who wrote Thor for seven years must not know yeah that his name was actually thor he's oblivious you right. know? <laughs> um which again like well if you read the story you know odin is the one who says that in the story like that that is addressed in the book itself by the characters um so yeah there was a lot of stuff like that of like i'm not gonna respond to this but i'll let thor respond to it one of my favorite ways that like within the book you responded to it is when jane completely just whips the absorbing man's ass um just like it's like wait you can't be thor that that's a page i mean i think i can tell when somebody's yelling at me online when they've actually read a book that i've written or they've just seen that page on reddit and just responded <laughs> to that that Look, if you, you think that's a step too far or too on the nose, okay, sure. Um, I, I had a lot of fun <laughs> again yeah. taking those very real things people were saying and putting them in the mouths of a character and having Thorpe respond to that with, with her words and her, her hammer. And if anyone's going to, if that's going to come out of anyone's mouth, like Crusher Creel, like feels like an appropriate person to say that uh so and you know the whether we liked it or not at the time you know we the because of the way secret wars broke down you know like when i started that that volume of thor like there was an endpoint and like we knew there's a cutoff point basically yeah. everything all the marvel books get canceled before we go into secret wars yeah so i knew i had eight issues to play with um this first volume so because of that i realized well let's keep it a mystery in terms of who she is so we didn't know um who thor was and i had a lot of fun with you know thor odinson literally walking around with a list you know crossing <laughs> names off of it yes but I think because of that, we didn't, we couldn't dive into what her story was, what yeah. Jane's story was. So it's, so it kind of became one of her, one of her defining characteristics is just, well, it's, we just know it's a woman. We know a woman is now Thor. Um, and rightly or wrongly, that was, you know, a lot of the focus certainly was a lot of the focus of the people who were pissed off about it, you know, so much. And not just that there's somebody else who's Thor, but that Thor is a lady now. Um, it, I mean, at the end of the book, you just have like all the 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 uh, the heroines of the uh, the Marvel universe pour through that portal, and you know, 
go go to town on uh on well odin's proxy for the fight um but like i just i love i love that whole thing you know um there, there's one there's one thing in there like where you, you you wrote this line that just got me it got me right away when uh i think it's carol danvers and jessica drew are, are fighting alongside each other and jessica drew says something just completely off the wall and carol's like jessica you're an idiot <laughs> like you're just so dumb <laughs> and i just i, I think, love little things like that but. i think um I remember the moment you're talking about. I can't remember the line, but my friend Dennis Hopeless, who's another Kansas City guy, was writing Spider Woman at the time. Oh, awesome! So he, he might have written that line. I think <laughs> if he didn't straight up write it, I at least ran it by him um, <laughs> to help me with that moment. That's awesome. I, and like, I obviously, like I said, we could we could go like in depth on on Jane alone, but like, um, there, there's a few components of like your Thor run that like really stand out to me. And those are the artists like Assad and Russell Dodderman um, and, you know, just a host of so many of them. And you've worked with so many different artists and you know, colorists and inkers and letters and, and editors throughout your, your time at Marvel. How do, how have you approached like working with so many other creators? Um, like you said, like you've hand in scripts like all the time and there's different teams of people how how do you work with all of them you know it's i mean um it's not a simple thing really like it kind of is and yeah. it isn't i guess i mean it's it's weird and especially in terms of marvel books I, a lot of times i'm working with people that, that don't know haven't met may not speak the same language as you know like we're oh, never wow. going to be in the same room together um i mean i've whenever I traveled to a, a convention abroad, like I went to convention in Italy a few years ago and met three or four artists there who I'd worked with over the years that I'd never actually gotten to meet. So it's, that's cool. So, I mean, usually with creator owned books, you know, you have the luxury of like, I'm going to work with people I know that I have some kind of relationship with, but Marvel stuff, you know, a lot of times it's, um, you're talking about a global operation um, with a lot of countries involved yeah. To put together this one comic book so it can be hard to sort of um have a real collaboration like that sometimes but there are some there are some artists where those miles just sort of um fade away and it you know it feels like okay we're absolutely on the same page here you know whether that's not just that they're drawing the book exactly the way I wrote it, but they're draw they're telling the story exactly the way it needs to be told, really. Yeah. I mean, everything we both do is supposed to be in service to telling the story the best way possible. I think with Esad, it was absolutely like that. We I mean, he and I had worked together on one um Wolverine one shot before that. But that was it. But it was pretty clear right away, you know we were on the same page to the point as we went along I knew like you know oh as soon as I wrote this I can picture I already know exactly awesome. like what I'm gonna get <laughs> and then usually what I get would be even better than that oh, and then nice. Russell to go from Esad into Russell which you know those were big shoes to fill I mean Esad yes. was following you know on from Olivier Coipel who really redefined <laughs> Thor and then I think Esad came along and redefined it in his own way and then it's like well how do you how do you follow that 
yeah and russell was you know still pretty new like hadn't done a whole lot of stuff and it was um uh edit my editor will moss was the one who 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 brought in russell and and um you know f- felt good that he was the guy and then you got to see yeah. russell like blossom and explode as Boy, that book we. went on and um you know and then became pretty clear pretty quickly like how good he was at designing and world building and so then you know he would design the crap out of characters that would be you know wouldn't even have a line like they would just be kind of there <laughs> um so then it just became me like okay well let's let's feed him like how much more stuff can we feed him to get to design and build and um so it's, it's you know the, the, i was incredibly lucky to like have um you, you know then after russell of course we got mike del mundo who's another yeah. one of the most amazing artists working today awesome. so it's it's like a murderer's row really of in terms of the main artists over the course of my yeah thor run i got in, incredibly lucky with i mean that's i mean like you said like a murderer's row it's like you know you've got your you've got your you know to use a baseball term you got your number two three and four hitters like all home run hitters um, and like different types of home run hitters right but just all capable beyond imagination like it's awesome. which is really you know doesn't happen all the time doesn't <laughs> doesn't happen just by chance i mean that's my editors doing doing good work to to make that happen for me and then me just you know giving them stuff and getting them uh, getting out of the way and let them do do what they do but um yeah it's a pretty it's a pretty stellar run the, in terms of art you, you meant you mentioned will moss real real quick and like i a lot of times like what you find like if you have a conversation with another comic book fan they'll be like oh jason aaron's run of thor or you know uh, you know a certain you know donny cates's venom you know all this kind of, they'll they'll refer to the writer and sometimes maybe the like the artist but like the editors are the ones like you know piecing all the things together how how did you and will moss work on the whole run together or most of it but it was lauren sankovich was the original editor okay i Um, wasn't sure if like that if will did the whole thing of there was a little bit of um a part that he didn't so uh, yeah it was it was mostly it was mostly will um and yeah i mean both of those were 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 great to work with and will especially had such a great eye um for for artists you know like there was so many people he brought to the table who who did such great work over the course of that and and like speaking of over the course when when the end of the run came you know war of the realms is done um there was um a, a, a little bit of a series after after war of the realms had concluded like what was it like to leave thor how did that go yeah, I mean, it's weird. I mean, I'd kind of done it to a little bit of lesser extent with Wolverine a few years before because I'd written Wolverine about the same period of time, you know, six, seven years over the course of a lot of different books. I mean, even more books than my Thor run. You know, yeah. I'd written <laughs> Wolverine and issues here and there, ongoing books, minis, different iterations. So it's it's weird when that prolonged period of time you're sort of the guy you know when we're when we do marvel retreats and we're all in a room together you know we'll dance lots of spider-man guy you know 
and I was Hickman was the FF guy, and yeah. I was the Wolverine guy, and then one day you're not anymore, and it's it is a little weird. I mean, of course, you know, like, well, there's been plenty of Wolverine guys before me, and there'll be Wolverine guys <laughs> right after me, but it's still strange that day you wake up and you're like, oh yeah, that's like we broke up, you know, I'm not dating Wolverine anymore. <laughs> And so Thor, even more so, and then I think it was, um, you, you know, a bigger part of my life. Um, uh, uh, and so to get to that point, I mean, on the one hand, it's like I, this was kind of always the ending. I knew the this is War of the Realms is the end point. Then right after that, we'll, I'll do one more story and I'm done. Um, so I kind of always knew this is what I was moving towards. But yeah, it's yeah. still strange. Because you also like hanging out with this character, right? Like I had liked hanging out with all those different versions of Thor I'd been writing for seven years. Yeah. Which I'd hang out with them, you know, every couple of weeks. We'd spend a week together. <laughs> they would <laughs> occupy a, a huge chunk of space in my head. You yeah. Know, really 24-7. Uh, even when I'm sleeping, you know, they're still running around in there. So it's weird when you get to that point and it's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're moving on. Like we're, um, we're splitting up and then, and they're not going away. Like the, right. The day yeah. after that, there will still be, you know, Thor comics just not written by you. So it, um, but you know, the, I, I say strange and it's strange for like a day or two and then you you move on and, and it, yeah. you know, I've been able to, it's not like it keeps me from reading and enjoying, um, you know, what Donny Cates and Nick Klein have, have been doing. Like I've absolutely loved that book. So I think it's, you know, you adjust pretty quickly and which I try, you know, kind of tried to make that point in my last issue of King Thor where I kind of, you know, go back to the omnipotent city in the library there and you see like the the wall of Thor stories that mm. some of them were mine. Some of them were, you know, some of my favorites from years past. And at least one of them was, um, you know, a nod to what, what Donnie and Nick had coming up. So it's yes. like, we're all just bricks in the same wall and we're all, um, you know, um, like there will be Thor stories until the end of time. And you're just lucky to kind of be one of the people who gets to, to you know tell those tales yeah and and i'm i this current run of thor obviously you mentioned donny cates and nick klein you know donny is you know it, it's just funny um when i i have a, a group of friends who we just we just talk about thor comics like just you know randomly and someone put a uh, uh they put a picture of donny next to you and it was like man talk about like just two of the like you guys like look like you have completely like different styles and stuff. But then when I like read a Thor come up, I'm like, no, like, I, I feel like when I read your book, I was like, man, he like, he just so gets it. And I love this story. And I read like issues of Donnie stuff. I'm like, man, he gets it. And I just love this story. And um, like and Nick Klein's art is different. Like I was a big Dodderman guy and I was like, man, like, I thought nothing was going to get better than Assad. Nothing was going to get better than Dodderman. And then Nick Klein shows up like a house of fire. And I'm just like, right. my gosh, this is incredible. Like, have you kept up with that run? And like, what's your relationship with, I, mean, I know you're writing Thor and Avengers right now, but like, what's your relationship with the Thor title now with those current creators? 
yeah i mean you know now i enjoy it as a fan um, okay i mean i i mean it's different when um again when you go to the marvel retreats you kind of as a fan you get shit spoiled for you years in advance so <laughs> um you know you get to hear all that stuff in the room before you before you get to read it but yeah i've i've, I've loved the the book from the get-go donnie and i talk every once in a while um and hang out we used to hang out back in the days we would still go to new york for retreats oh awesome um so yeah i've 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 continued to be a big fan i mean it's the what what you just said is true right like there's those you know that there was a time like and, and still you know walt simonson defined thor yeah in every way right like to the point where you think we, we this character's done you could just put him on a shelf um the, the challenge i think with any of these characters that have been around for so long and there have been so many stories done with them so many great stories with every single one of them um is what do you do next right like how do you take all that stuff or at least parts of it you can't take all of it yeah you know, it's got to be the stuff you you pick and choose and like this is good and this we could forget about and you you take that you stand on the shoulder of, of those giants like like walt and, and kirby uh, and everybody who's who's contributed great characters and moments to those um stories over the years how do you take all that and do something different not just you know another version of exactly what we've seen before something that pays nods to that that builds on that but that takes those characters somewhere they haven't been before um i think for me that that jane foster story in particular um was one of the best versions of that that i've done at marvel in terms yeah. of building on what was there um but using it to tell a story that we haven't seen before it, um and that that's the challenge so i mean that's the challenge yeah. for me every day that's the challenge for donnie uh any of us like how do you how do you at your name and stone and and tell something people will, will remember it like speaking of something they'll remember like this obviously you know this and uh, most listeners of the show know this this is the 60th year anniversary of thor and we just celebrated the 750th issue of thor which you have a story right. in um right. which uh that odin story was awesome i loved it oh, thanks uh and um that like looking back on 60 years like you've referenced the first issue in journey and mystery 83 a few times like do you like do, do you feel like jane is that your reinvention of jane is like your legacy with the character i mean i think that would be a huge part of it i mean i yeah. you know the um you know clearly with the movie we've got coming up in july like there's a there's a lot of me in there from two different parts of my run right there's yeah. the jane stuff and then the gore the god butcher stuff so i think of, of the seven years of thor i did those are probably the two things that um will make the biggest impact or have the longest legacy as to what that means who knows i mean i think they're um certainly two of my favorite parts two of the parts i'm proudest of from those seven years um in particular with Jane stuff I, I mean all of it but that final Mangog story and the death of the mighty Thor yeah. is one of those that you know like I talked about before 
sometimes the stories don't all come together in the perfect way for whatever reason, whether they're coming out of my head or in the collabor collaboration part of the process. With that one, everything came together yeah. perfectly, even in ways that seem like we must have planned this all along when we didn't. <laughs> like we that that um, issue where where you know Jane dies. Sorry, spoilers. I assume anybody who's listening <laughs> to this podcast is, knows this how that went. But you know, she's thrown the hammer into the sun with the Mangog, yeah. and it's blown up and she's there on um asgard is just burning up and it's just her and thor odin son and he's freaking out realizing like you know you just killed yourself you're going to turn into chain and you're going to die and they you know they're sharing this great moment as yeah. i wrote that script and turned it in and russell was starting to draw that issue and then i realized we've never shown her take her helmet off like she had taken her helmet off as thor in avengers and other places russell and i had never shown her do yeah. that and i realized oh it's because we were waiting until this moment so that was not in my original script but i i wrote russell and will and said she's got to she takes her helmet off in this part like you know That's before funny. they before they kiss and embrace like of course because of course she does yeah so it felt very much like we had i mean we were very intentionally not having her not remove her helmet but i didn't know that i was waiting for that last moment <laughs> until we got there and i was like so that's one of those where it's not only did everything come together that we did there are even those moments where it seemed like oh you know thor's up there looking out for us like making this happen yeah so <laughs> then the rust the work russell did i mean that's the that that issue which i i, I mean is that 705 or i can't remember which one it is but that one, like I, that's the only time I've ever cried writing oh, wow. a script and then turned it in and Russell said he was crying while he was drawing those pages. And I cried some more when I got them. Jeez. Um, like it was, and that's when, you know, like, you know, this is something good, right? If we're all, we all do this for a living. We've all done this a lot of times. Yeah. If we feel this invested in this story then absolutely other people out there will as well. So for sure. Um, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's one I'm particularly, particularly proud. And it's also it had been in my head for so many years before I got to that point. It's like you're right. so hungry to it's not like I was eager to kill her off, but I was just hungry to get this yes. out of my head and and get it on paper. I that it's an incredibly powerful issue like a, a single like a single issue that just like you know obviously there's years of story that lead up to it but then you're just like you're in that moment and you're like oh my god like i'm i'm like i'm i'm in this moment with like right. with the characters you know like with yourself and with russell and like you know so many of the the fans that are just like watching a character extinguish and pass on but then like we, I mean, we know, like, you know, it's the old adage in comics, like no one, no one ever stays dead. Um, so like Jane, Jane's next, Jane's next thing, like, I, I, I wanted to ask you about this, this person, because like, uh, Jane's next, like thing she does is she goes on, she becomes Valkyrie. And that's like done with Thor and Grunbeck. And you, you know, Thor goes on to Donny Cates and you like quickly moved on to Avengers, like kind of like all these different things like kind of just went out from that 
time and like how, how did i know there's like a few different questions in there but like your like relationship with thorin like doing a different jane story i know you're credited writing you know those stories as well how did passing on that character to her work um well yeah I, you know i i um i wrote the initial um like war of the realm story where jane becomes valkyrie um and then uh, kind of had ideas of what that character should be it's really al ewing who was responsible for those first yeah several stories i was had you know tertiary involvement with okay with um but yeah then torin was actually somebody i met in a tiki bar in new york <laughs> just by chance um and you know found her thoroughly delightful and fascinating she was just um she was there at new york comic-con um but uh, she's um norwegian she's you know named after thor um and i, I just met her as you know another person at a bar having drinks um and then checked out her work and and really uh enjoyed it and was impressed by it yeah so when when al ewing was going to step away from valkyrie we were talking about you know well um i was too busy to i couldn't write the book myself didn't yeah. really have time for that but i was up for continuing to stay on and and co-write it with somebody and i was like what about this lady i know who's a good writer who's named after thor i think she'd be pretty good for it destiny and, uh, <laughs> right and i've really it's been great to see torin do now she's doing so much stuff i tell her like i can't like oh i didn't even know this was out you know like she, there's like <laughs> captain marvel annual or something that just come out i was like shit like i don't even i can't keep up with all your stuff on my pull list which is great um because she's an incredibly talented um writer and artist she's a all, all around renaissance lady yeah um so it's really exciting to see her doing more stuff and now she's got you know she's doing um uh punisher word word journal issues yes. that sort of are slotted in between issues of my punisher and then she's doing this new um jane foster thor book that's coming up uh, very excited soon. for that yeah so well yeah, and, she's she's grabbing it and running with it she's she's uh so i uh, just so you know like she's one of my dream guests so if you could put in a good word that'd be awesome oh sure uh, but I can, I can she's like the best um but i just like one last question about um you know something that's coming up this summer and then i, I want to get to our our lightning round um obviously love and thunder is coming out this should summer. it be a thunder round you know what I, you know what i i i fell for that one i don't want to tell you how to do your show but no no no. if there's one person that can tell me how to do my show you are more than welcome <laughs> to tell me how to do my show um like um yeah or 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 you're a friend ryan panagos agent m can tell me what to do any, I, any day of the week friends uh, <laughs> friends a loose term okay i don't uh, i don't have friends with mustaches like that acquaintance a, right. a, a an acquaintance um with love and thunder coming out this summer and you like you've said like two of your you know creations your reinventions are going to be highlighted in this movie um like are, are we going to get a walt simonson type cameo from you in this movie or, <laughs> or 
Um, no, no, um, no, no, I don't. Not that I know of. No, I'm not. A, <laughs> I'm not actually in it. But, um, but like more seriously, like just seeing that first trailer, um, like what what was it like? You know, spending so many years with this character. Uh, so many of these characters, like seeing that trailer for the first time and being like, oh my gosh, like there's things I created. Like, what was that moment like for you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's really cool. You know, I mean, I'd gotten to, I'd, I'd seen stuff before that. So I'd gotten to be, you know, a little bit involved with stuff and it's all, um, you know, like seeing that little bit from Esad's art with such a um, cool callback Felagar the behemoth for the first time I was like oh yeah okay yeah that's what we're doing <laughs> that's happening <laughs> um so yeah it's been it's been very cool I've been really impressed and excited about um everything I've seen and how they're how they're weaving it all together and I think uh you know I'm, I'm excited for for people to see what Taika's put together oh man it, it I mean seriously it's it's going to be a crazy thing I mean I'm so glad that we did the, the retrospective to lead up to it. We didn't even come close to getting it under time. But like, um, <laughs> before we jump out of here, I have a, a thunder round as as you've so uh, generally uh, just cha- tweaked at the end. Like, Look, don't think, let me don't let me bully you into like changing well, your show around. Here's the thing: I I work best when I have an editor. Uh, so I appreciate the editing process. Um, <laughs> well, it's good. It's good to be open to, to notes and to editorial ideas. I, I, I am the same. So I got five lightning, lightning thunder round questions for Jason Aaron. And uh, they're ones that I just, I just really want to know uh, as if the whole interview hasn't been that. Um, but here we go. Number one is if you could write one DC book, what would it be? Um, is there like, are these timed? Is there a time limit? Is there a nope. buzzer or something? You, you take all the time you need. You know, this, um, I don't know. I've been asked this a lot. I, yeah. I, I always hesitate. Sometimes I hesitate to give answers cause it's like, you know, well, you might, you might see me doing those characters. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think Batman's an obvious one. I've, I right. wrote Batman for one panel in in the one i've only read ever written one dcu issue which was a penguin joker's asylum penguin one shot back in the day and yeah batman's in one panel of it so i've written one line of dialogue <laughs> one line. Batman. so i'd like to write more i suppose but I, i've also said before i there's a part of me that feels like you're not really a proper comic book writer until you've written superman in some capacity so um you know, I would, I would like to write Superman someday. I'm just curious. Why do you say that, you know, why do you say that caveat with Superman? I don't know, but it just feels like, you know, that you, you, it's like a Muslim making a pilgrimage to Mecca, right? Like Superman is sort of the, he's the godfather, you know, he's the thing from which all else flowed. So it feels like, you're not really, really a comic book writer until you've you've gotten to put words in his mouth. Just like, I think if you're writing at Marvel, you feel like you're not really a Marvel writer until you've written Spider-Man in a scene. Yeah. I think the hardest I've ever worked on one line of dialogue was the first time I ever wrote a line for Spider-Man. It was just one panel of Ghost Rider, but I probably worked the whole day on one stupid 
stupid line that I don't even remember. Because <laughs> you feel like, you know, it's Spider-Man. Like back in the day when you would get Marvel checks, like physical check, they had Spider-Man on them, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, that's a long answer. I'm not doing the lightning round. No, no, no. Thunder it, round justice. Well, and I, so I even, you mentioned Superman and just real quickly, I saw a bit of uh, Asad Ribic, uh commissioned artwork where he drew Superman. And I was like, Ooh. holy shit, I need that right now. Like I, I need an Assad run of Superman. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that, but yeah, that'd be. So I'll, I'll send it to you someday. Get All the right. band back together. That'd be an awesome thing. Um, well, second question in our. I, I was emailing Assad today about something. So oh, awesome. It was not Superman. <laughs> not Superman. <laughs> uh, second question: If you could have dinner with one comic book creator, who would it be, past or present? So they can be dead. Um, I mean, I guess probably Kirby, probably Jack Kirby, um, you know, just again, just to like sit and listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like I was not, I didn't appreciate Kirby as a kid, you know, cause I was the stuff when I was a kid was like superpowers was probably my first exposure to Kirby. So it, I think at some point I saw the hunger dogs graphic novel and then started to go back. So I, I, I did not fully appreciate him yet as a kid, like when he was actually around. Um, but of, of course, in the years since then, I've come to greatly appreciate um, Kirby. Like I said, that that chunk of Thor stuff to me is as good as anything he ever did. Um, yeah. So that, and you know, of course, all the the fourth world stuff, I hold on a high, high pedestal. So yeah, probably just Kirby, just to just again i wouldn't really say much i'd just nurse my drink and i'd listen <laughs> more stories please right. more stories um and, i mean I, jack kirby just uh awesome legend i feel like in a comic book conversation you're like to call jack kirby a legend's like well duh man um right. of course um now the one that I, I wanted to get to earlier on is what is on your pull list at your at your store yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've got a pretty lengthy pull list. I buy a lot of stuff. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mostly follow creators. So anything okay. you know, Tom King does, I love Mark Russell, like anything that dude does. It, I mean, he's, you know, he's doing stuff at Marvel at DC at, at pretty much every publisher these days. Um, his creator on stuff is amazing. Everything he touches yeah. is really, really great. Um yeah tom taylor like we talked about has been has been really really killing it um i love beyond just you know following creators i love any sort of weird crossover anybody does yeah anytime you have if you have godzilla or tarzan or planet of the apes crossing over with anybody else i'm there i'm your man i'm in yes um the less sense I, it makes, the better. Right? I don't care. Yeah, whatever machinations. Like right now, there's the Godzilla Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yes, I was just like, going to mention that. I'm in. I'm, Co I'm Colin there. Bunn, like, absolutely. Give me more, man. Right. I think it's Colin. Is it uh, Freddie Williams? Yeah. And I, you know, I don't, I, I cared nothing about the Power Rangers. Like I was, I was like in, you know, in college by the time they came around. I didn't care. Yeah um but you, you have them team up with somebody else and I'll, I'll show up you have godzilla team up with anybody 
and I'm and I'm there. Um, yeah, what else? I don't know. I'm always I'm always suck when when people like put me on the spot and ask me to think of like the books I've. I think that's good. Like, do you, do you have like a do you have like a? So I know you probably get this a lot where like people like will fangirl or fanboy when they're around you. Do you like? Do you have a creator that you're like, oh my gosh, like you know, outside of Jack Kirby, you know, or do you go up to like Mark Russell? Do you go up to Tom King and be like, hey, bro, like that was awesome, or like. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope, yeah, I, I feel like I do. I hope I do that I'm complimentary to my fellow um, creators on the stuff they've done that I've liked. I mean, I, the you know, Garth Ennis is somebody that I'm still, I totally turn into a, a 12 year old fanboy when I'm around him. He was just here in town at the local convention I went to. And I've hung out with him many times, and he's the nicest, sweetest guy you can imagine, but I still, um can't help but feeling like a kid when i'm around him um, you get into his line <laughs> right no jason like, well, come I on man we did can just back talk. in the day yeah <laughs> i did i we, i reminded him of that that i i did stand in his line one time uh years ago um and gave him uh, a copy of one of my cousin's books my cousin wrote the book that full metal jacket was based on and then oh cool and he had written a sequel to it that was at still out of print so i brought a copy of that to garth at a signing one time i think it was at chicago comic-con wizard world chicago years and years ago and uh you know just so you know i know you you read my cousin's book i don't know if you read this one he had not so i gave it to him and like you know put my address in there <laughs> and he sent me a signed uh hitman trade and like a script one of his scripts at the wow. time which was which was super cool that's so awesome um i feel like garth so, Ennis yeah. is a good answer <laughs> like that's and he's a you know like he, he's a nice guy but he's an intimidating guy because i've read every issue of preacher i've read all those punisher comics i've read you know crossed i've read he's written some of the most disturbing things any comic book writers ever put on paper and i the um like a year or two after that time I met him at that signing I was doing scalped and and uh, my editor asked me to to email Garth to ask him if he would write an intro for the first trade which he did um which was really cool of him so after I emailed him I kind of got on Garth's like email list (laughs) and it was like a month or two later he sent out like here's photos from the Garth Ennis family vacation and they were photos from inside a shark cage, like photos of great white sharks in, in you know, in, in I don't know, Australia or South Africa. I don't remember where he was. But it's like, of course, because of course, Garth Ennis goes, you know, shark, shark caging when he's on vacation. So in my mind, that's all, no matter how cool he is to me, no matter how nice he is in my mind, I'm still always like, this guy could snap at any minute and just kill everybody in this room. <laughs> I I just read his, uh, he did like one Thor story ever. And it was the, the Thor max, uh, yeah, the, the Vikings, Vikings ones. Yeah. I was yeah. like, Holy God. Like, what is, I remember what I was thinking this? about that story recently. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did a whole review of it and I was like, I just, I sat there with my buddies. I'm like, yeah, it's not like any Thor comic I've ever read <laughs> at all. Um, it's definitely the, has the most beheadings. Um, 
but so you mentioned sharks right there so impromptu thunder round question what is it with the sharks (laughs) i don't know man i just i just like sharks i don't think it's anything deeper than that okay i mean with the with thor god of thunder you know it started doing the the space sharks initially which i thought were cool but then as we went along as you know i was doing different realms i thought well every realm should have their own shark right so there's got to be lava sharks and <laughs> bog sharks and spartleheim and of course um, oh man so yeah the, now now it's just a thing it, it, yeah it does feel like the jason aaron thing like hey he's writing this book like okay how long until we get a shark um you know it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when um well, the i mean before the sharks it was it was puking like every book I would write at some point a character would vomit and I for the for years I used the exact same like vomit sound effect for every character across every book um I think I've changed it since then. I mean I, I, I think I've also written less puking and I don't know why it's not like I have a <laughs> puke fetish it was just just kind of became a thing like I, I didn't I didn't That's feel like it was gratuitous puking i felt like in each of those scenes this character needs to puke for whatever reason um just like there needed to be those sharks so i don't know maybe now it'll be i feel like i've I've done enough sharks maybe now i'll move on to a different thing you'll you'll uh you'll reinvent yourself like you know through different periods like oh this was the shark period of jason aaron oh this was the puking period maybe (laughs) i'll have a maybe it'll be sharks that puke how about that i feel like you have to write that in something (laughs) like you know coming this next you know next issue of avengers you work on like oh boy it's all puking sharks (laughs) javier would probably have a great time you know drawing drawing all that javier would draw like a million sharks all puking he would draw the hell out of it do like that mephisto page from recently but just with puking sharks but with sharks right put that on my wall it would be beautiful he would make it beautiful um so uh with the thunder round is falling apart uh they they (laughs) so i think it's going splendidly i don't know what you're talking about fantastic it's big it's booming it's awesome um if you could hand someone one jason aaron comic to say like hey this is me what would you hand them uh i I don't know that's a tough question you know i mean part of what i've tried for with my career and and that i'm proud of is that i feel like i've done a lot of different things i mean there are you can look at all the books i've done for for you know well almost 20 years now and they're common threads and common motifs and you know common puke sound effects and that sort of thing (laughs) but i still feel like even within the six years of wolverine that i did there are a lot of different kinds of wolverine i think in the my thor run there are different kinds of thor stories um you know the creator owned books i've done are are different from something like wolverine and the x-men yeah so i've prided myself on you know feeling like i'd I've been able to do a variety of work. So part of it is I feel like I don't want me or my career to be summed up by any one book. Okay. Um, I mean, I think I could probably come up with a short list of like, here's what I feel like are the strongest kind of single standalone issues I've written. 
you know, I think it's scalped number 35, um, which was a standalone issue in the midst of this, you know, larger ongoing series is a book that I'm really, really proud of. And, the, you know, the Mike Allred issue of Wolverine and the X-Men, which was the dupe issue, which again, could not possibly be more different from the <laughs> scalped issue. It's just like a bunch of dupe related nonsense as drawn by the great Mike Allred. Legend. Um, right. <laughs> and yeah, it's, uh, you know, there are single issues here and there, but yeah. I don't know. I, the part of me also feels like I think I've done enough stuff at this point. You can't sum it up with just one issue from one thing. Okay. Well, and I, I like, uh, I obviously with how many issues you've read, I'm or, uh, written, I'm just like, wow, how could there just be one? I thought I would throw it at, throw a curveball at you just, uh, just, um, you know, just see what we get. There's, um, so like you're, you're currently writing Avengers, um, Avengers Forever, Punisher. Is there anything else I'm, am I forgetting something? uh yeah conan still come with king conan conan right it's a couple more issues of that still to come so like with all that like here at the end like what what do you you know what do you have coming up like over the summer uh things you're excited about uh that people can be anticipating yeah i mean you know for now for the summer it's that it's all those books you just listed um you know, Avengers and Avengers Forever are both monthly, so you get one of each of those each month, and you're they're still kind of running parallel to each other right now, sort of two sides of the of the same coin. But as we get to the fall, you'll see those two books um, start to crash together in a big way. Um, Punisher has just started; I think issue two just came out. And I'm really, really excited about that. You know, it's it's 12 issues, the 12 um, thick, meaty, 30-page issues. Nice. With with Jesus Saiz and Paul Azaceda both on arc. One Jesus doing present-day stuff and Paul doing flashback stuff. And it's, you know, I, I think people still don't quite get or see what it is. And I think it'll kind of <laughs> unfold as as we go um but i am i am super super proud of that sort of you know working on this and 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 i'm almost done with it like we're we've been way far ahead on it um working on this has felt almost like working on that initial thor god of thunder story where where it was like okay this is the right character right moment in time yeah. right story right art team like everything was coming together the way i wanted it to and it's so different than anything i've written in a in a long time it's one of the darkest you know most brutal stories i've certainly ever done at marvel and uh you know for a character that i have a deep uh, the, the um, affection is the wrong word because <laughs> it's a, he's also a horrific character um a character I have a deep fascination with I've long had a deep fascination with it yeah this is you know me getting to dig into him in a bigger way than I ever have before in a way I think um you know there's there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of good meat on those bones I'll just say that and I'm awesome. excited so I think issue three the next one that comes out has the story of the first time Frank Castle 
killed a man. Oh, wow. Um, which I'm really, really um, excited about. So, And the thing with Punisher was you, it launched and like nobody had any opinions about the changes you made. It was awesome. The well, internet. I don't know about that. I don't know why. <laughs> people have had plenty of opinions i i went when i completely sarcastic when i when i like when i saw that i was like oh like i'm not a big punisher guy but when i saw i was like oh jason aaron's gonna write punisher cool um the first headline i saw was jason aaron ruins punisher and i was like that means it's probably good (laughs) like that guy you know the remember that guy who ruins thor now he's here to ruin punisher (laughs) Yeah, the guy who ruined Thor, and then we heard nothing about the rest of his career. <laughs> right. But uh, then Conan, like uh, you said, there's a few issues of Conan left. Um, like, yeah, because that like four rights are switching out. back over for that, right? Yeah, the the yeah, I think this will be this will be like the the as it looks now the last um, kind of Conan proper sort of book from Marvel as the, okay. the rights shift back, which is you know kind of. We've known that for a while now. And I kind of, you know, I wrote this, this King, like I did 12 issues of Conan the Barbarian, which I'm a huge Conan fan. Is one of the, that was one of those characters on my short list of, yeah, I definitely want to write them someday. So I did those 12 issues of Conan the Barbarian, which was kind of me, sort of like how I approached that initial God of Thunder story of like, I'm going to make this the biggest, craziest thing I can and put everything in put all the reasons I, I love Conan, you know, in this one story by the end of that still, you know, like I felt like, okay, I think I'm not done. Like I, the last scene of Conan, the barbarian is, is King Conan and his son riding off together into the sunset. Like part of me, like I wanted to see like, where does that go? You know, what's it like for Conan as a dad? What's it like, you know, like what's the, what's the last Conan story we could possibly do. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I had that kind of kernel of an idea and that's what this is. So if, if Conan, you know, goes away and I never get to write him again, I kind of, I feel like I could step away, you know, after this story and and be done. Don't know that that's necessarily the case that I won't get the chance to write him, but I kind of, kind of went into it with that idea, you know? Okay. And, uh, one other thing you shared a little while ago was the Avengers a million BC. Um, that oh, yeah, that's right. Out. Yeah. Um, like, and you like, you've been planting the seeds for that all throughout Avengers. Like it's just been kind of that constant underneath. Yeah. Even, I mean, even before Avengers, like going back through my Thor run. Right. Um, yeah. You know, you've, you've seen that. Um, yeah. That's uh, the, the, I've had a lot of fun writing these like prehistoric legacy characters, you know, the first versions of, some of the biggest most iconic heroes from the marvel universe and seeing how like why they're important why what they're really defending there back at the the dawn of the marvel age so this is a story that focuses on them and also you know for the first time gives us the real story of thor's birth um (laughs) which is another thing again like i've the 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 idea that there's some kind of connection between um the gods of Asgard and the Phoenix is something that I've sort of toyed with going yeah. back through a lot of my Thor stuff. And um, yeah, that's one of those things people yell at me about, about a retcon without under really even seeming to understand what they're yelling about, like <laughs> of right. who Thor's mother is actually supposed to be. 
and you know the idea that it that thor's birth mother is gaia is in itself a retcon like that was not the original story yeah and people who i don't think have even read that story <laughs> you know that's it's really just a couple of stories that sort of tell the like well how did that happen why is gaia thor's mother how did that come about what does that mean like that was the thing that was changed for the sake of the story to tell a story and then we've never really gotten much more yeah. uh, on that it's never really been that pertinent there are times it's sort of referenced and um times it's like well you know because of because Gaia is Thor's mother, he has access to some sort of um, earth powers or some deeper connection to the earth and and such. But it's never really been a you know a very pertinent part of Thor's stories or Thor's mythology. So yeah, it, it's sometimes a blip on I, radar. You know, I the 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 point is always to tell stories, right? Like the, whatever I'm doing, whatever anybody's doing, we're doing it to tell stories. We don't do it just to get reactions on Twitter. Uh, Sometimes it's just like, maybe just calm down and read the story or don't. You can also not read the story. And I encourage people all the time, like by all means, read the things that make you happy, right? But um, no, no, no one's gonna- when Jason Aaron writes his next controversial comic, no one's going to like hold, hold a gun to your head and be like, read this Thor comic where Thor's a chick, um, you know, or, you know, or, or else um, read the stuff you want to read. Exactly. So the, I mean, the, the, the stuff with the Phoenix and Thor is all again, to tell this story, this is the, the next big chunk of it in this, in this one shot, it'll answer the questions as to, the, the Thor's true parentage and how awesome. that all played out. And again, it's just a, a story I, 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 you know, I'm really excited about. And Kev Walker did the R on that, so it looks really incredible. Yeah. Um, and in terms of any uh, other stuff I've got coming up, I mean, nothing else that I can talk about yet. That's of course everything I just said is the that's the my Marvel workload for the foreseeable future. Fantastic. Um, I do have a creator own book i've just started writing which i the plan is that should be out by the end of the year so you will hear about that sweet um later this year and i'm you know really really excited to to talk about that and there's more of that more of that stuff coming and until then like you know read scalped read the goddamned read sea of stars i'm sure i'm forgetting so many um, southern bastards southern bastards right uh men of wrath yeah uh, just any, any where, wherever great comics are sold uh, go go find go find a, a jason aaron story and you're you're at least you're at least gonna enjoy uh the the adventure you get taken on i i when i read the first volume of the goddamned i was like holy shit that was awesome um but Thanks. but jason like I, thank you so much for your time today um you've been more than generous um and uh is there anything else you feel like the listeners of across the bifrost need to hear from you today or have we have we uh thrown our last punch you know i think we've i think we covered it you know i just say thanks to everybody who's who read and supported uh my thor run over the course of those seven years like i said it's one of the most rewarding parts of my my entire career in comics i'm very grateful and appreciative for the response that got you know we 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 bitched but earlier about people who complained about this or that but 
to me really like that was never much of a factor in that yeah those voices were always washed out drowned out by the flip side of that which is the people who um enjoyed the book responded to it emotionally were affected by it you know people coming up to me at signings talking about their own struggles with cancer their family members and um people who came to thor who'd never been big thor fans before who who enjoyed the book so all of that all that you know for all those years i i have appreciated and you know now i'm i'm excited just like everybody else to see you know how that how that translates to the to the big screen and i'm out here buying you know my my gore the god butcher lego figures yes just like everybody else <laughs> and you and sporting and sporting that jane foster helmet quite nice quite nicely oh yeah i had to try that thing on i mean it doesn't <laughs> fit great it's a little tight on my head my adult sized head but <laughs> the the beard looks better on you than it probably would on natalie portman <laughs> yeah i don't know i thought i looked pretty suave in that helmet yeah, no, but... it, was, it was nice it was nice i'm i she's she's probably got some job security that she wants to like shore up after she sees your portrayal of the character uh but jason i just wanted to say like uh, for listeners like i you know for me with thor it's the thor the the first thor film and your comics that's why i love this character and um, I just uh, can't, I can't appreciate your, your comics more, sir. Thank you just so much for this time we've gotten to spend this afternoon. Oh man, I, you know, I appreciate you devoting so much time to, to going over my run. I, that's, a, 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 you know, it's, it's super exciting to, to see people still discussing it. So I appreciate it. Well, uh, until next time, like we say here, until we see you next time here, uh, board the Rainbow Bridge. Uh, goodbye, Jason Aaron. <laughs> All right, see ya. Well, there you have it, everybody. That was our conversation with Jason Aaron. And I can't even believe I get to say that. It was it was just so awesome to sit down across the screen from him and really reflect on the fact that this guy is the reason why I read Thor comics. Like I know there were years and years of comics that Thor was featured in before that, but I didn't know about them until I started reading Jason Aaron's Thor. So my goodness, it was just a dream come true. He was an absolute pleasure to talk to. Could not have been a cooler dude. And uh, we just want to thank him for stopping by. And also want to thank those of you that are supporting us on Patreon. We have a Patreon that we are going to be amping up for the summer. And we're going to put put out some just fantastic special new stuff you can't get here on the feed. You're going to get early access to some episodes that are coming up. And I want to thank the patrons that we already have over there. Will Rose, guest of the show. He comes on for new comics. He's a patron member over there. Thank you, Will. Josh Knoll is one of our friends from Systematic Geekology. Just thank you, Josh, for supporting us over here. You guys are doing awesome work over at Systematic Geekology. And Eric Bennett, a comic book creator friend of ours, who is just now like releasing his Thor-inspired comic, Tyrannus the Thunderlord. My goodness, we have just so many great friends that are Patreon members and, and who are not yet Patreon members. So if you want to join the Thor Core for just a few dollars, you can go do that right now at the link in the episode description. We are going to be releasing, I'm so excited about this, we're going to be releasing a Patreon-exclusive show called Ulix Unstoppable Show, where I'm going to read old Ulix comics. If you are familiar with this show, you know that I love Ulix the Troll. He's my favorite Thor villain. I find him just 
endlessly hilarious and uh, er arrogantly bumbling as he tries to defeat Thor, the God of Thunder. So we're going to focus on Ulick a little bit, and that'll be our Patreon exclusive show for the time being. You'll also get early access to episodes and all that good stuff. So go join the Thor Corps today for a few bucks. You can get some extra content from Across the Bifrost and myself. That does it for our anniversary special, everybody. It has been so fun to sit down with Jason Aaron, share that conversation with you all. I hope you have enjoyed it. Next week, we are going to be going all the way back to Journey into Mystery 83 with a panel of co-hosts and just some hilarious friends. We're going to sit down and we're going to reread Thor's first appearance and share our thoughts. We did it all the way back. I did it by myself all the way back at the beginning of the show. And I can assure you, this conversation is 10 times more fun, 10 times more hilarious. And we're going to go back with them to where it all began. So be sure to join us next week on the show for Journey to Mystery 83 with our friends. And until then, everybody, in this anniversary season, we're getting ready for a movie. We got lots of stuff going on in the world of Thor comics, Thor movies, everything. Everything feels like it's all centered around Thor right now even more than it normally does for me. But I just want to remind you, as all of this is going on, as maybe you're getting into your summer plans, you're, you're, you're finding some time to enjoy these things, whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, I just want to remind you on this anniversary special to do the thing we tell you to do every single week. Stay worthy.